Phoenix Talks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This life science-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to keep you up to date. This week on the show, we're discussing FDA clearance of a new cardiac mapping system and a study showing exercise can strengthen the neural connections in the aging brain. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the X-Talks Life Science Podcast. I'm Aisha Rashid, Senior Life Science Journalist at xtalks.com, and this week I'm joined by Sydney Perlmutter and Vera Kovacevic. Thanks for coming today. So I'm going to start us off with a story today about a new study that shows how exercise can actually help the aging brain to maintain cognitive health. So we've long known, of course, that physical activity is good for both the mind and the body. And of course, they're both interconnected. Now, researchers at the University of California, San Francisco, or UCSF, have actually found that exercise can change specific proteins in the brain to promote stronger neural connections in older adults. And therefore, as a result, elderly people who remain active in their later years can maintain brain health and prevent cognitive decline. The study looked at several synaptic proteins in the brain that are involved in maintaining healthy communication between neurons. Uh, which are uh, brain cells in the brain, of course. And the researchers found that older individuals who exercised had higher levels of these synaptic proteins. In addition, the effects of these brain-promoting proteins were able to counter the negative effects of any toxic proteins in the brain, uh, such as the tau protein and beta amyloid that are associated with dementia and Alzheimer's. And therefore, the protective effect was seen even in people who have dementia and neurodegenerative neurodegenerative conditions like Alzheimer's. The study was published in Alzheimer's and Dementia, which is the journal of the Alzheimer's Association. And this was published last week in that journal. Now, while the positive effects of exercise on brain health have been shown uh, in animal models, it's been more difficult to demonstrate in humans. So previous studies have shown that physical activity can reduce the risk of dementia by 30 to 80%. However, the biology mechanisms underlying this has, has remained largely unknown until now. And so Caitlin Casalito, who is an assistant professor of neurology and lead author on this study, said in a news release from UCSF that their work is the first that really uses human data to show that synaptic protein regulation is related to physical activity and may drive the beneficial cognitive outcomes that are seen with physical activity and exercise. And so maintaining the integrity of these connections between neurons may be vital to fending off dementia, since the synapse is really the site where where, uh, cognition happens, she said. 
So Casalito and Honer used data from the Memory and Aging Project at Rush University in Chicago. And this project tracked the physical activity of elderly participants in the later years of their lives. The individuals in the project also consented to donating their brains when they died. And so the researchers were able to analyze their uh, brains um, in postmortem studies. Now, the researchers looked at several different synaptic proteins involved in neuronal communication, as I mentioned, and they found that people who remained active had higher levels of the proteins in their brains. And so the more physical activity, the higher the synaptic protein levels in brain tissue. And uh, Casalito said that this suggests that every movement counts when it comes to brain health. In addition, the researchers found that the effects went beyond the hippocampus, which is the part of the brain that's involved in memory and learning. And it extended to other brain regions associated with cognitive function. And this came as a surprise to the researchers um, because it seems that physical activity exerts a global sustaining effect, they said, and that supports and stimulates healthy function of proteins to facilitate synaptic transmission throughout the brain. So it's not localized or uh, relegated to one region. So that was very interesting. Uh, in addition, this finding also aligns with some of Honer's pre, Dr. Honer's previous work, which showed that people who had higher levels of the neuronal proteins were better able to maintain their cognitive health later on in life. And he had also, um, also sorry, Dr. Casalito had previously found that synaptic integrity appeared to weaken the relationship between amyloid beta and tau, and between tau and neurodegeneration. So how much physical activity is needed to increase levels of these good brain promoting, brain health promoting proteins to maintain cognitive health? Well, Dr. Casalito said that they recommend aiming for at least 150 minutes per week, which amounts to two and a half hours a week of physical activity. And studies prior to this have shown that even walking relates to a reduced risk of cognitive decline, she said. So again, this is uh, very interesting research and kind of uh, really corroborates and uh, confirms what we might have already known, but really gives it a biological mechanism, insight into biological mechanisms that may be at play in terms of how exercise can promote brain health. So what do you all think about this uh, new research that's just come out? Yeah, I think that um, this study was very interesting. I imagine it could have been a type of a long-term study, like a longitudinal study, perhaps, where they... Mm -hmm you know, monitor changes with time. And I guess we've all kind of known that exercise is good for pretty much all organs in our body. Everything, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's, I think it's great to still do these kinds of um, studies just to convince people how important exercise is. And I think it will be even more important in the future as, you know, we're all glued to our phones and our laptops and, I do think that this generation gets a little bit less exercise on average compared to the previous generations that grew up without internet. Um, so 
I do think that these studies are so important just to inform the public about, you know, the importance of exercise, not just for heart health, but Mm -hmm. now we can see for brain health as well. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I always kind of thought that, you know, we exercise for our physical health, but I guess it's really a sort of all encompassing, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, thing that we do for our entire bodies and our brain uh, is included in that. And it's good to know that, you know, you don't have to like overdo it. It, Something as simple as walking or, you know, just really simple activity will do the trick. And I think that is a really important message to just get out to people. Like it doesn't have to be exhaustive exercise. Mm-hmm. It's just moving your body a little bit every day can be helpful. And um, yeah, this is, this is, it's good to know. It's like reassuring, I, I guess, or it's, it's just one more thing we can do to like keep our brains in check. That's a great way of uh, putting it. And, <laughs> and I, I totally agree because I think um, there's kind of a misconception that like exercise has to entail like really strenuous, you know, marathon level training and things mm-hmm. like that, hitting the gym every day for, for hours, but that's really not the case. And I know even for people you know, um, to maintain heart health, I think they recommend exercising or just going out for a walk, even 30 minutes a day, three times a week, which is totally doable. Right. Um, but I think there's this misconception out there when we see all of these, um, you know, high level exercise programs and training and all of that. So, um, it's, it's simpler than we think. And I think this new study on brain health, um, again, demonstrates the same thing that taking simple and small steps, um, literally every day or uh, a couple of times a week um, can really lead to significant improvements in brain health and prevent cognitive decline. And what was also very striking about the study is that people who already have signs of neurodegeneration or already have dementia can also benefit. So you can reverse some of those effects um, of those uh, of well, they were able to show particular, in particular that you could actually um, counter the effects of toxic proteins associated with neurodegeneration like the tau tangles and um, beta amyloid by increasing levels of the brain promoting good synaptic proteins uh, through exercise. And I think that is also very promising in that um, you know, dementia and neurodegeneration um, can be reversed by through exercise. So I think that's also very, very promising. It also opens up and sheds light on targets that could potentially be um, looked at in the future uh, in terms of therapeutics. So if we know that specific brain promoting proteins, the specific synaptic proteins are involved in helping maintain and co- maintaining cognitive health, maybe those positive brain promoting synaptic proteins can be elevated therapeutically um, in people who have dementia and other neurodegenerative conditions. Okay, so with that, I'm going to move on to our next story for today. And this story is about Abbott's new cardiac mapping system, which recently received FDA clearance for the treatment of cardiac arrhythmias. Now, Abbott's new cardiac mapping platform is called OnSite XEP, 
and it received clearance from the FDA for treating cardiac arrhythmias. Now, this cardiac mapping system incorporates Abbott's proprietary on-site omnipolar technology, or OT, and this technology allows for 360-degree mapping uh, to generate better and more true, quote-unquote, electrocardiograms using the advisor HD grid catheter. And the system can provide detailed images uh, regardless of the orientation of the inserted catheter. The on-site XEP system's 360-degree sampling method um, of electrocardiograms or electrograms allows for the mapping of a million different points in the heart. And this can really help identify and pinpoint the exact locations that need treatment. Abbott says that the cardiac mapping device offers the best of both unipolar and bipolar measurement principles to generate powerful mapping without compromise. Generating, um, creating clearer images of the heart through electrocardiograms is really key to better identifying areas that are involved in cardiac arrhythmias and potentially other cardiac conditions as well. Abnormal heart rhythms or arrhythmias are caused by faulty electrical pathways of the heart. And if they're not treated, the electrical breakdowns can lead to irregular heartbeats or cause the heart to beat too fast or too slow. And atrial fibrillation is the most common arrhythmia that the on-site system um, that can help treat. And this condition occurs when all four of the heart's chambers are not in sync, and that leads them to beating rapidly and erratically. And again, if left untreated, some arrhythmias like atrial fibrillation can lead to heart failure or stroke. So recently, the favored treatment for treating cardiac arrhythmias is cardiac ablation because it really treats the condition at the source, unlike medications. What ablations do is that they target the specific area of the heart that is causing the abnormal heartbeats. And honing in on the exact location of the source of the arrhythmia uh, to be ablated requires effective cardiac mapping. So you need to have really precise, accurate, and detailed images of the heart so that physicians are able to administer ablation therapy in a safe and effective way. And cardiac arrhythmias are typically treated with catheter ablation, uh, which involves the insertion of catheters to target the arrhythmia and deliver radio frequency energy to it. And the heat from it targets the cells that are causing the abnormal heart rhythm. So as ablation therapy is being uh, increasingly used for patients with cardiac arrhythmias, this requires and necessitates new and innovative advanced cardiac mapping and imaging tools to help physicians provide the best outcomes for their patients, uh, is what Mike Peterson said, and he's and he is the Senior Vice President Electrophysiology at Abbott. He also explained that the company developed the OnSite X system with OnSite OT to enhance the utility of their advisor HD grid catheter and uh, to really allow doctors to quickly and accurately create real-time stable 3D models of the heart to, in order to precisely identify areas that are causing problems so that physicians can better treat them. 
So how does the on-site X system achieve improved precision cardiac mapping? Well, the platform was designed so that it can actually also be upgraded through new software, and that can allow physicians to have access to the latest technology without needing an entirely new system. Abbott says that the device is the first cardiac mapping system that offers the choice of both unipolar and bipolar measurement-based cardiac visualization. So conventional mapping systems utilize either unipolar or bipolar measurement principles and not both. So unipolar measurements have the advantage of directionality and speed, but bipolar measurements provide more precise localization through local signal measuring. And so the on-site X system with the on-site OT cardiac mapping system brings together the best of both worlds. So you have both unipolar and bipolar measurement principles, and this can maximize data collection. Um, so yeah, it's a very innovative new uh, mapping system. I think very important, um, a very important imaging tool that can really help clinicians better treat cardiac arrhythmias through uh, cardiac uh, catheter-based ablation therapy. Just wanted to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, I think this is um, a very promising new kind of medical device, uh, and also another thing why I think this is so important is some people who have arrhythmias, so they have abnormal heartbeats, um, sometimes these patients may have tried medications to treat mm -hmm. their arrhythmia, and they did not have success, or they had some serious side effects from these medications. And I think that's why um, Abbott the company saw this as an unmet medical need. Yeah. So they decided to um, produce the mapping technology just to help uh, doctors be able to deliver the cardiac ablation a little better. Um, but I just have a question about the cardiac ablation. So is this like a minim minimally invasive procedure? Like, do they actually insert um, those catheters into the veins or arteries? Yeah, they do. So the catheters are inserted, I believe, through the groin or perhaps even through the wrist. Um, I think whatever method is is better to to get to to the heart, and um, and then through those catheters, they deliver uh, radio frequency energy to uh, perform the actual ablation. So it isn't completely non invasive, but it's minimally invasive. Okay, and I assume I assume this has to be done maybe like once or a couple of times to target those cardiac cells that are causing the arrhythmia. Yeah, the idea is that this is you know a one-time treatment that would hopefully cure the patient of, oh. of the cardiac uh, arrhythmia. Yeah, oh, I, I mean I think it depends on really uh, the condition of the patient and, and, and sort of what they're dealing with. So. That's amazing. Then this new um, cardiac mapping system by Abbott has a huge promise to better able to treat patients um, compared to some medications, and it definitely is a more targeted approach. Absolutely. And I think that's the whole idea, because like you were saying, uh, medications they're not so targeted. And, um, and then if you look at previous um, mapping systems, they would only use, let's say, unipolar measurements. And so that wouldn't really give you precise um, 
sort of the exact locations. And so maybe you might go in um, to do the ablation and not really be able to target the exact location. Um, and so it's really important to have the imaging tools that can really help you um, get those, get that location to the exact, uh, you know, sort of uh, where the arrhythmia is emanating and um, is, is the source of it, because you really want to make sure you're targeting the correct location. So I think this is very powerful. And like you said, an unmet need, because I think it, um, previous tools were lacking in sort of the precision. Yeah, so I think this new technology by Abbott definitely has a lot of potential. And also Abbott is, um, you know, pretty big in, in the cardiac space. So last summer, they actually debuted an insertable cardiac monitor, um, which can allow for a more accurate diagnosis of heart arrhythmias. Um, and it can also allow for continuous remote monitoring using Bluetooth connectivity. So, yeah, I think um, Abbott's uh, doing pretty well in this space, and we can look forward to continued innovations from them um, in terms of uh, cardiac uh, medical device based uh, medical devices. All right, that's the end of this episode of the X Talks Life Science Podcast. If you liked today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone, and see you next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the X Talks Life Science Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalk.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.